So good evening. I'm glad to have you guys here this evening. Pardon, that might be a little bit on the loud side. Um, <clears throat> for those of you that have <laughs> been attending the last few weeks, you know that we've been talking about the vital signs of life. Not just the physical vital signs, but the spiritual vital signs. And how those pertain to the spiritual walk. So we're actually going to finish um, that last vital sign this evening. But before I start that, um, how many of you guys remember what the other three vital signs are? You don't, have to, you don't have to say them in order, but does anybody remember? Everybody's drawing a blank. We had first, and this one, I can't really blame you for not remembering, it was a long while back, but it was the vital sign of God's word internalized, remember? How his word has to be in our hearts and going throughout our bodies, our lives spiritually. And then the second one, trying to think a second, what was the second one? It was faith, yes. Looking to God with a faith that will endure, no matter what struggles or what trials come, can we trust God? Do we have a faith that will endure? Um, the third one was two weeks ago. That's right, you weren't here. The third one was obedience in our witness. And I talked about how we need to obey, but we also need to be a witness, but how actually obedience is our witness, right? So does anyone have a guess on what the fourth one is tonight? Raja knows because she's going to help me present this evening. It's prayer. Yeah, exactly. Prayer that prevails. And um, as we know, we have prayer weekend coming up. Our speaker just arrived. Dave, glad to have you back. And uh, so we've kind of been doing this preparing for the week of prayer or the weekend of prayer that's coming up. And um, so I just have a couple things I'm going to share this evening. And then I'm actually going to turn the time over for um, Raja to share some testimonies. But um, I want to read some quotes and just share a couple of brief stories. In Heavenly Places, page 83, it says, Prayer is the breath of the soul. It is the secret of spiritual power. No other means of grace can be substituted and the health of the soul be preserved. Prayer brings the heart into immediate contact with the wellspring of life and strengthens the sinew and muscle of the religious experience. Now, physically, we know what happens when we don't breathe, right? We're going to keel over. We cannot live without air coming into our lungs. And spiritually, it's the same way. We may have a form, reading the Bible or witnessing or doing these different things, but if prayer is not a vital part of our life, the soul, the spiritual soul, seeks to breathe, right? So we know that. Um, something that I thought was kind of funny just happened this evening. I had been reading this afternoon, and as I often do, I was reading with a highlighter, because I like to highlight what I read, and um, I had been chewing on the cap, and so I finished my reading and went to get ready for prayer meeting, and I went to the mirror, or to the bathroom for something, I looked at myself in the mirror, I was like, wait a second, what's that green doing all over my face? <laughs> you know, like you see little kids sometimes that have been playing with the markers and stuff, I actually had green marker on my mouth, and I didn't realize it. I even showed Caroline. <laughs> so anyway, to get that marker off, I went and um, actually used my, um, my stain remover, which is, which is um, I don't know what you call it, but 
It's not uh, carcinogenic. I used it and scrubbed my lip off to get the green off my lip. But as I was doing that, I was thinking, what is the stain remover that we have in our lives? It's the prayer of repentance. You know, um, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's, that's, that's all we need is that prayer. We're actually not really going to be focusing on that prayer tonight. We're going to be um, focusing more on intercessory prayer. There's so many aspects of prayer, and, and we'll hear more about those later on. But I just thought that that, that was just a you know, practical little illustration that came to my mind as I was cleaning marker off my mouth. <clears throat> Here's another quote. Perseverance in prayer has been made a condition of receiving. We must pray always if we would grow in faith and experience. We are to be constant in prayer, to continue in prayer, and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Prevailing prayer, and this is really what we're focusing on tonight, is a prayer that will prevail. Prevailing prayer is the prayer of living faith. It takes God at his word and claims his promises. Feeling has nothing to do with faith. I thought this was just a really interesting quote here in the middle. Feeling has nothing to do with faith. How strange it is that men will put confidence in the word of their fellow men and yet find it so hard to exercise living faith in God. The promises are ample. Why not accept them just as they read? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That was from the Signs of the Times, November 18, um, 1886. We've talked a lot... Um, over the course of the last few weeks and months about Jacob's perseverance and how um, he succeeded and how we can succeed the same. And here again, referring to um, Jacob's story, it says, Jacob prevailed because he was persevering and determined. It is now that we are to learn this lesson of prevailing prayer, of unyielding faith. The greatest victories to the church of Christ or to the individual Christian are not those that are gained by talent or education, by wealth, or the favor of men. They are those victories that are gained in the audience chamber with God. When earnest, agonizing faith lays hold upon the mighty arm of power. Isn't that powerful? In the audience chamber with God. So that's what I really want you to think about and um, keep in mind as we share tonight. A couple brief stories. Um, how many of you guys are familiar with the book, The Kneeling Christian? Nobody. Oh, you have to read this book. It's by an unknown author, so I can't tell you who the author is, but you can actually find it um, in quite a few Christian bookstores, or you can order it on Amazon. This book is just phenomenal, though, phenomenal, though. the stories, the encouragement, uh, about people in the recent past, I think it was published back in the 1950s, so it's been around a little while. Uh, let's see here, 1945, yeah. But some of the stories in this book, um, I think I may have talked about before. But for example, there was this girl that was in India um, as a missionary, and she was working, not really having a lot of success. She prayed, you know, all the different spiritual disciplines. 
but she felt the conviction from the Holy Spirit that she needed to be praying even more and, and taking time out from her work to be praying. And she was like, how can I do this? They're going to think I'm shirking my responsibilities or something like this. But finally, she gave in to that conviction and got on, got on her knees and began to pray even more. And um, in a matter of months, conversions started happening left and right. And she's just like, wow, what, this is incredible, you know, what God can do. And um, she said in her testimony that God did more in six months than I have done in six years. Isn't that incredible? And then in Korea... Um, there was another group of missionaries, and these are all stories from the Kneeling Christian, um, a group of people that decided to get together and have a prayer meeting every day at noon. And after a couple months, they really hadn't seen any progress or any real answers to prayer or whatever. And one of the guys like, we should stop this. You know, we're just wasting time. Um, it's not really doing anything. We can pray on ourselves or by ourselves in our homes. And um, But others like, no, we need to be praying even more earnestly and more, you know, just we're really in a spiritual warfare here. And so they began to pray even more. And again, in a matter of months, they began seeing conversions just left and right. Um, thousands of people that came to God. And in one church, they actually started, um, one church, because of these people praying, was inspired to start a prayer meeting every morning at 4.30. Every morning. Not just one morning a week. You know, like we've talked about doing here, you think that that's such a hard thing. But these people back then, they were doing that every morning. And when they started doing this, they were having between four and 600 people coming to this morning prayer meeting. And they were just seeing radical revival and reformation. Um, so that's, that's just been a really testimony to me. But something else I wanted to mention that this book also talks about what, what happens when prayer, you persevere and all, but it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. You don't see results in all of that. You know, George Mueller actually shares an experience how he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for 63 years, and he still didn't see results. But he held on, and he was just convinced God was going to answer the prayer um, because he was claiming First Timothy 2.4 that says he would have all men to be saved. And so he died. And he didn't see that prayer answered. But right after he died, that man was converted. And so God did answer his prayer. The thing is, is he just didn't see. He just didn't see the result, right? So that's um, the perseverance that we have to have even when we don't see the results right away. Um, I'm going to turn the time over to Raja. But just as far as resources to really build and encourage your prayer life, um, things I just wanted to suggest before we move on. One, you know, study, spend time in prayer, okay? But also go to the Bible and do studies on the word prayer, prayers, um, things like that, and go through and look through Scripture, what prayer means in Scripture, how people met, what Christ's life was exemplified in prayer. And as you do that, you'll just learn an incredible amount of things on prayer and be inspired in your own prayer life. So that's the first thing. And then... Um, Another thing that's really been encouraging to me is Steps to Christ, the chapter Privilege of Prayer. That's a huge, huge thing to, to encourage you and to read. Um, and then um, I already talked about stories from the book The Kneeling Christian. This book is incredible. But also, this is a book I just started reading recently. It's called Intercessor by Reese Howell. 
Howells. And I just found this. This was recommended by some good friends of mine. And this is also a man um, back in the early 1900s. But it was just incredible the way God worked in his life and answered his prayers. And as we see testimonies of how God's working in other people's lives or has, we know he can do the same in our lives as well, right? So I want to encourage you in that. And then um, last thing for those of you that weren't at SWYC, Jay Gallimore gave a talk on prayer. Do you guys remember? Any of you guys remember? On faith and prayer. That was just incredible. So I encourage you to go to Audioverse and listen to that. Raj has been a huge blessing and inspiration in my life. Um, over the course of the months, she shares stories with me and things that God's doing in her, her life and her practice. And I've just been like, wow, this is incredible. Look at what's happening right here. And um, it's just really encouraging when we can see personal, right? Um, up close, and she talked to me about, you know, spending hours praying for people or different things. I was just like, wow, you know, I need to be doing more of that myself. And we had the privilege of going to Bangladesh together and hanging out, riding rickshaws, working with the medical things, um, all kinds of fun stuff. But when I was there, I really got to see it personal. And, you know, I'm not trying to elevate Raja on a pedestal. Obviously, she doesn't want that, and that's not what this is all about. But when we were there, um, I'd get up in the morning to go to the bathroom or whatever, and maybe 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, maybe earlier, and she was right next to me the whole time we were close together, and she'd be on her knees in prayer. I'd come back and go back to sleep, and then I'd wake up a little bit later, and she was still on her knees in prayer. And I'm like, wow, this, <laughs> this lady is really incredible. She really does practice what she preaches, and you can see that evidenced in her life and by her testimonies. So um, I'm not going to tell any more stories. I'm going to turn the time over to you, Raja. And I want to thank you for coming and sharing this evening. You made me cry. Sorry. (laughs) It's an honor to speak to you tonight, but it's a greater honor that the Lord uses me to convey a message. She made me cry. (laughs) Uh, Before I start, uh, could we please bow our heads together to pray? Thank you, dear Lord, for this honor to appear in front of your presence again. Dear Lord, I thank you for this honor that you've given me to convey a message to my brothers and sisters. I plead with you. I, I uh, claim the promise in Exodus 4:12. Now, therefore, go, and I will be with thy mouth and will teach thee what thou shalt say. So I thank you for that. Dear Lord, hide me behind the cross. And... Uh, With your Holy Spirit, dear Lord, um, touch my hearers that they will receive what you want them to receive from this empty vessel that you have filled with your message. Thank you so much. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. I am very much excited. Before I start talking, I don't know how much time I have. (laughs) Um, Something is really exciting that happened (laughs) Um, over Thanksgiving. We've been praying for months and months for my nephew, my sister, and her children to come to GYC to get closer to the Lord. Um, My nephew, he was just so worldly. It had nothing to do with God. We've been praying and praying and praying. On Thanksgiving, he was there. And so he was on his way out. I said, Sean. And then he sat between me and and Eric. And I said, I love you. I said, Sean, I put my hand on his shoulder. Why don't you come to GYC? It's going to be in San Jose this year. He said, yeah, yeah, you guys have been telling me about it for years. Uh, what's the website? And I blurred out the website. He said, okay, I'll see. 
and we're praying, Eric and I, we just pray and pray, dear Lord, please, burn his heart, let him come. Two days later, he texts Eric, and Eric was driving. He texts him and said, I registered for GYC. <laughs> Praise God. As Eric texts him back while he's driving, he said, dude, I'm so happy. I almost crashed my car. <laughs> and so maybe a ha half an hour later, Sean texts back and says, uh, laugh out loud, <laughs> LOL. Um, I'm looking forward to it. See you there. So praise the Lord. This is one big miracle the Lord has done after years of praying. Years of praying. <laughs> um, okay, when we want an example in our Christian life, who do we go to? Christ, obviously, right? Okay. In Christ's life, there were experiences uh, and parables, actually, about persistence in prayer. One was, one time Jesus was really tired after talking a lot, and he, started, he tried to hide himself. He tried to go into a house, but there was no hiding because the Syrophoenician woman followed him. She was charging him. She had a daughter who was filled with a, a, um, a, an evil spirit. So she threw herself at his feet. Please, please heal my daughter. My Lord, please heal my daughter. And Christ knew her faith. He knew how she's going to react, but he wanted to teach his disciples a lesson. He said, uh, yeah, but uh, it's, it's, good to, it's not good to take the meat of the children and throw it to the dogs. Can you imagine a dog in that culture is a real demeaning term. Um, if you want to cuss on somebody, you say you're a dog. So it's not good for, for, the, the, for uh, the food of the children to be taken and given to dogs. She told him, yes, my Lord, but the dogs also can feed out of the crumbs under the table that fall off the children. She pled for her daughter. She persisted. And Jesus, right away after that, said, your faith is great. Go. Your daughter's healed. Let me read to you a sentence from Christ's Object Lessons. It says, the disciples never forgot this lesson, and it's placed on record to show the result of persevering prayer. Okay, they did not, they did not forget this lesson, but did they practice it all the time? I don't think so, and I'll come to that. Another parable that Jesus gave, he said to his disciples, whom of you, if a friend comes in the middle of the night and bangs on your door and says, and you're, you're warm, your children are in bed with you, and he bangs in the middle of the night, open the door, give me three loaves of bread, please, a guest has come, and, and I don't have anything to put on the table. And he keeps banging, and you're reluctant, you don't want to go, but he pleads and pleads and bangs on the door. It's because it's for his persistence that you're going to get up and give him the bread. You'll oblige. So that's how you got to persevere in prayer. Okay, come with me to the Garden of Gethsemane, the last evening of Christ with his disciples. As he was going in, he was being weighed down with the sins of the whole world. He felt exhausted. He couldn't even walk. They had to support him. Then he calls Peter, James, and John to go with him. And he said, okay, you stay here. Please watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. And at a stone's throw, he goes there and starts praying. He falls on his face. Small blood vessels were bursting into his sweat glands, and he started sweating up blood. The blood was flowing all over his face. And he's begging with his father, with his daddy, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, not my will, but yours. 
and he's crying, asking for connection, asking for, he, he feels like his dad is, is away from him. All this sin is separating him from his daddy, his beloved daddy. And he's alone and he's, he's craving, he's, he's begging for connection and for, for strength because he knows what's coming. And after an hour or so of praying, I'm not, I'm not sure how long it was, he goes to the disciples, they're sleeping. He says, Simon, sleepest thou? Sleepest you? And they wake up and they rub their eyes and maybe they pray a little bit, five minutes, and they fall asleep again while he's begging, begging for strength from his father again at a stone's throw. He comes again. They're asleep. He says, watch ye, watch, pray, lest you fall into temptation. Three times he did that. The third time he goes, they're asleep. He said, okay, that's it. You rest, sleep. It's finished. My betrayer is at hand. And then they get up, and the mob is there. They're with the heads of the, uh, the, the Jewish leaders and the soldiers and fire. And, and Jesus says, whom do you seek? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And the angel that was strengthening Jesus flat dashes and, and stands between him and them, one angel, and they fall like dead. Then he withdrew, the angel withdrew after they fell like dead. And they charge again at Jesus. And he says, whom do you seek? He says, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, it's me. I was with you all these years on, in daylight. You didn't touch me. But it seems like your works are better at night. Peter, the courageous Peter that boasted that even if all the disciples were to leave, he's the one that's going to be following Jesus even unto death. He pulled his sword and he cut Malchus' ear, the servant of the high priest. But Jesus said, no. And he put the ear back. He said, whoever is going to draw the sword will be taken by the sword. Do you think I cannot ask my father and he will send me 12 legions of angels, one for each of the disciples, to fight for me? But no, I've got to drink the cup that my father has assigned for me. Jesus, the creator of the universe, the king of kings, lord of lords, allows himself through the power of prayer, he triumphed and he allowed himself to be bound and pulled away. The power of prayer, persistence in prayer, gave him the triumph over being spit at, being hit, being mocked, being um, scourged and then crucified. And the disciples, without their persistence in prayer, they fell weak to the enemy. Persist in prayer. Um, I'm going to read to you a little paragraph again from page 175, Christ Object Lessons. I thought it was really beautiful. It was Christ himself who put into that mother's heart, it's talking about the Syrophoenician woman, which would not be repulsed. Persistence which would not be repulsed. It was Christ who gave the pleading widow courage and determination before the judge. It was Christ who centuries before, in the mysterious conflict by the Jabbok, had inspired Jacob with the same persevering faith. And the confidence which he himself had implanted, he did not fail to reward. 
going to talk to you about a, a few experiences that I personally went through. A patient of mine, 43-year-old, a Muslim lady. Um, she had, uh, she saw me for a, an ailment. She had lost a bunch of hair suddenly from her head. We call this condition alopecia areata. And it's, it's uh, not that uncommon. And it's caused, usually triggered by stress. It's an autoimmune disease, but usually triggered by stress. So in the course of the conversation, I asked her, so what's stressing you out? And I learned from her that she and her husband, the engineer, and their children had migrated from back home. I'm not going to mention the country. And came to this country. Her husband could not make it um, financially, so he decided he's going to go back home and he's going to work there for a few months. He'll come visit to the United States for a couple of weeks, three weeks, and then he'll go back. And on one of the on the last time that he came, she had she had heard uh, uh, um, from some relatives back home that that he's having an affair with a woman of ill repute. And she was crushed, so she decided to document it, <laughs> to, 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 uh, to tape it, actually. So she taped a conversation. She put a recorder on the phone. And she actually taped him talking with that woman. And, and she heard him tell her, when I hug my wife and, and kiss her, I'm thinking of you. That crushed her. She just was devastated, and she lost that hair. At the time, I, I was not experienced with, with witnessing to Muslims, so I did not feel comfortable sharing scripture or praying with her. I just listened. I was crushed. She was such a nice lady. She had that scarf on her head, and she wears long dress, and you know, I mean, her long sleeves and everything, very modest. Anyway, so she goes, and I'm really, really sad. I pray and pray and pray. Then she comes back for a follow-up a month later after the treatment that I gave her. There was a little improvement, not much, but she said that uh, it wasn't going well with her husband at all. She, was confronted, she confronted him on several occasions, and he was very defensive. Uh, he denied any involvement with any woman. She said, if you were there and listened to him, you could swear that he does not have anything to do with any woman besides his wife, besides me. Well, I uh, started... At the end of the conversation, at the visit, I said, is it okay to pray with you? And she said, yeah. And so I prayed with her. And she was very, very thankful, and she left. But I went home. It was my afternoon off. I bought some flowers, and I was digging and planting those flowers. And my heart is burning for her. I pray, and dear Lord, give me wisdom. Tell me, what do I do for this woman? I want her to know you. What do I do? And I got an impression to tell her, to call her back and tell her, um, to, to be to make good with his family, which is back home. And he goes there, and he's in, con in contact with his family continually. So um, I called her the following day and told her, uh, I, have, I, I want to tell you something. So she comes in, and uh, I told her to be kind to his family. Uh, make, well, make good with them. Don't, don't, um, don't antagonize. Uh, don't argue. And even with him, don't accuse him. I, I actually started bringing Christian principles to her because she came and, and visited me at the office. I said, treat your husband with kindness. Don't confront him. And I told her examples about how I would feel if someone confronts me. It's not a pleasant thing. Nobody likes to be confronted. Uh, so don't confront him. Be kind. Don't say anything bad about this woman. If you have anything good to say, say it. But bad, just keep your mouth closed. Tell him you're praying for him. 
tell him you're praying for him to be uh, strengthened, for courage, for, for, uh, for encouragement, for, for good health. Uh, tell him that you love him. Tell him his kids love him and you miss him very much. Um, and um, uplift him. Um, just say, say good things always. Don't think bad. Uh, let me see what else I have here. Um, okay, another thing I told her, I brought in, I started bringing verses from the Bible. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately wicked. Who can know it? I told her, when you see something unfavorable that your husband is doing, don't always think the worst possible explanation. Think, okay, what, what, how can I explain it positively? What, what other possibility could there be rather than this ill that, that's, this evil that I'm thinking? And I gave her examples. And I, I uh, told her, I brought in Romans 12, 20. If, you're, if your enemy hunger, feed him if he thirsts. I told him, he's not your enemy, he's your husband. Just, uh, be kind to him. You'll burn him with kindness. And then I brought in uh, Luke, 7, 20, uh, Luke 6, 27 to 29. Love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Uh, uh, um, bless them that curse you. Uh, uh, pray for them that despisefully use you. And et cetera, et cetera. I started having more courage. I started bringing verses from the Bible. And, and she's in awe. And I, the peaceful uh, counseling that I gave her with, with a kind smile. And she says, that is so different than what I get from my family and from friends. And it's all hate and revenge and confrontation and all that. And she said, I will do everything possible to do what you're saying. It's difficult, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do it. And again, I prayed with her. And she said, Doctor, every time I come here, I have so much peace. Your words are so soothing. And she goes and fails again, and fails again, and fails again. And I'm praying and pleading with the Lord every day. I have a paper on, whom, on which I write names of so many people that I pray for, so I won't forget anybody. And if, if I forget anybody, I'm just, I have my hand on it. And please, dear Lord, if I forgot anybody, please take care of them. You know better than, than me what they need. Please take care of them. So I called her one day, and I said, after her husband had left, and I left her a message saying, um, I didn't know what had happened in the last visit. And I said, uh, be kind to your husband. Uh, I'm praying for you. May God bless you. Tell him you love him. Tell him that, that you're praying for him. Ask God for help, for, for strength. And she came to me. And she said, you know, doctor, the last time when he was here, it went the worst ever. I started out really good, and then I heard him on the phone saying how much he missed the other person. And that crushed me. And I started fighting, fighting, fighting. And he told her, he threatened her with divorce. And he told her, you and your kids are worth nothing more than my shoe. And so she was really, really insulted and hurt. And she told him she's not going to talk with him anymore, any longer. She said, but then I heard your message. And I listened to it maybe at least 10 times. I had told him I'm not going to talk to him again. But I called him. And I spoke with him in kindness. I was encouraging. Regardless what he said, I was kind. I was kind. And whatever I, I whatever, uh, for instance, if I call and he's not there, he doesn't pick up. In the past, I used to think, oh, I'm sure he's with the other woman on the phone. But now I say, what did the doctor say? Okay, let me try to think something else, something positive. So she said, our relationship is much better now 
our conversations are much more pleasant. I thank you very much. He sent me a gift, a beautiful gift for our wedding anniversary, and said, um, hopefully, uh, every year, and you're my darling. So she was so happy. Um, and and um, talking to her about, now I, have more, I had more um, courage to tell her, Christ said this and Christ says that. And I'm lifting the, the Bible up. I'm lifting Christ up and praying also in the name of Christ. So her friends had told her, had convinced her to go to pilgrimage. And I thought, oh, of all things, she's going to pilgrimage to, to Saudi Arabia. And I started praying, dear Lord, appear to her. I had seen a movie of a, of a drunken, drunkard that, um, God, that Christ appeared to, actually. And he appeared to him when he went to pilgrimage. And, he, and, and out of, because of that, he gave his life totally to Christ. And I'm praying, dear Lord, she's there right now. She's in pilgrimage. And I'm praying day and night, dear Lord, appear to her. Let her see you. Let her see you through me. Help me. Give me the wisdom to minister more and more so that this woman will come to you. She told me before she left, she said, you know, doctor, because of your prayers, because of your advice, you're going to put us back together, my husband and I. So I praise the Lord for that, and I'm still praying. Please remember her in your prayers and pray for her. I really would like this Muslim woman to come to Christ. I'll tell you another um, little um, example about um, at work. Um, I, uh, in my... Uh, uh, job description, I am CEO president of the company. Well, I've been in negotiations with, uh, with um, um, landlord's attorney. We have a landlord that, that holds two leases on, on two of our offices. Um, I've been negotiating with them to reduce our rent because the lease has been way above market rate. And over the period of a few years, we paid a million dollars over market rate, which is just unheard of. And every time I ask them for a new contract, they say, no, we need personal guarantees. Every one of your owners, you have to sign personal guarantees uh, for the length, for the term of the contract, which amounts to millions of dollars each. And we thought that was just totally unreasonable. And they would not budge. We had to sign. But I said, one, one Sunday morning, I, I, I prayed and prayed about it for years. And this one Sunday morning, I was on my knees praying to the Lord. I said, dear Lord, I claim Proverbs 21.1. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Please, dear Lord, change their hearts. Tell me what to tell him. And while I'm pleading and pleading and pleading with the Lord, I get an impression as to what to tell him, which I never thought of before. The, wow, dear Lord, you're so smart. Thank you. <laughs> this is great. Tomorrow morning, God willing, I'm going to call him, and first thing in the morning, I'm going to tell him what you told me to say. And I'm just, just whistling and singing and happy. And I went downstairs, and I'm reading my Bible, and I get a strong impression. Call him now. I said, dear Lord, it's Sunday morning. Tomorrow morning is Monday, and I'll call him. Call him now. I said, okay. <laughs> and I picked up the phone and called him. I, I knew it by uh, memory. He picked up the phone. I said, Mr. Salvato, it's good to talk to you. I said, Dr. Tumo, what are you doing working this, on Sunday morning? I said, there's something that that's preoccupies my mind. He said, what, the personal guarantees? I said, yeah. And not even two or three words. We're, we're just back and forth. He said, may I please put you on hold? I have a call coming in. 
and he picked up the phone and then he came back to me and he said, you know, Dr. Tuma, the only reason I was at the office is because I'm expecting this other call that was supposed to come in exactly the second that you called. <laughs> I said, praise God. He said, okay, is it okay if I call you back? Yeah, I gave him my number. He called me in a half an hour. And I started telling him what the Lord impressed me to tell him. And after a few back and forth discussion, he said, okay, give me an alternative. My jaw dropped. This was impossible before. It's just impossible over years. It was impossible. So give me an alternative. And he started throwing in options. I said, wow, okay, great. I'm going to hold in a, a, a board meeting tomorrow, urgent board meeting tomorrow evening. I'll get together with the, with the, um, with the owners, and I'll get back with you. So I held a, an urgent board meeting the following evening, and I went through everything that I went through, through my, with my prayers and my supplication and the, and the text in the Bible that I claimed and what, how the Lord impressed me to call. And that was exactly the time that he was expecting another call, but I called at the opportune time. And, uh, and that he, he threw in these options. And so we discussed it, and we came up with, uh, with um, a plan. And the chief financial officer said, this is from God. And he's a Baptist quite um, rigid Baptist. He does not buy into anything of what Adventists do or claim or, 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 or doctrines. He used to be at least. Not anymore now, anyway. Um, and so I, I got back with the attorney. I told him our plan, and we do have a contract without personal guarantees signed. And I praised the Lord, and they said, all the doctors saw what the Lord has done because of persistence in prayer. I told them I've been praying all these years, and, 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 and they saw the experience. Um, we don't have much time left, but I'll, give you, I'll tell you one more experience. February 14, Valentine's Day, this 08, I left to Haiti on a mission uh, health trip um, to, a Baptist, uh, to a compound called Inter uh, International Children's Lifeline. It is run by supposedly non-denominational, but they're Baptists. It's run and owned by a Baptist church. Um, the director of the, um, the um, uh, organization, he, the CEO president, his name is um, uh, Donald Curtis. Um, we went there to, get, to see patients all day, and it was very hot and muggy, and we'd sweat all day and at night. After we finished seeing patients, we'd go and give health talks. It was myself, Dr. David Catalano, Director of uh, Overseas Evangelism with AMAN, and a, a physician's assistant, Christine Pfeiffer. Um, so, you know we're vegetarian, the three of us. Okay, Baptists eat a lot, I mean a lot, of meat. They feel this is a tent, and it's okay to abuse it. <laughs> you can eat whatever you want. Okay, so um, the lady cook, when we first arrived, was very rude, very rude, because we did not eat meat. Uh, and she didn't know what to fix for us. She was really frustrated, and she didn't like it. So one of these days, uh, I went upstairs to have lunch, and there's nothing. And she said, what do you want? What do you want to eat? We have meat. I said, I'm sorry. Thank you very much. It's okay. She started um, pulling um, a can of um, peas and a can of uh, um, uh, corn and stuff like that from the shelf. Uh, and, and she said, do you like this? And, you know, I felt so uh, 
very uncomfortable, to say the least. And I said, it's okay, it's all right. I don't want to be in any trouble, it's all right, I'm fine, I'm really not very hungry, which I was not. I said, it's okay, I'll just go downstairs. So I went downstairs and started working. The cook, the male cook that was with her, came down and he said, are you okay? I said, yeah. <laughs> he said, are you sure? I said, yeah, I'm fine, thank you, it's okay, thank you for asking. And then he said, okay, and he went upstairs. <clears throat> this was kind of towards the beginning of the trip. Uh, about an evening or two later, <clears throat> um, the, the uh, present CEO, Donald Curtis, we kind of we got, became friendly. And he came and sat by me, and I said, Donald, do you know why we don't eat meat? He said, why? And I started talking to him about every animal, how they're fed, how they're treated, what they're injected with, what the effects of, of all that is on us, what, what does it do to us, what does meat, animal products, what do they do to us? And then I started bringing verses from the Bible, how the Lord, when he created Adam, and Adam was a giant, he had to sustain him, and he gave him what grew off the earth to eat. God knows exactly what he put into the making of Adam, and he knew what, what would be good for him. God did not kill animals to feed Adam. Actually, the only time that an, that an animal died in Eden was when man sinned, that, that a lamb was put to death because God took the, the, the skin of the lamb that represents the robe of Christ, uh, righteousness of Christ and covered the sinful nakedness of Adam and Eve. And then a few more verses down there. And then I, after I finished, I said, so what do you think? He said, you made my head spin. <laughs> after that, he started pushing meat away. I told him that animal products are hard on the kidneys. And his eyes got this big and he said, my kidneys are not doing well. <laughs> and he's in his early 40s. So anyway, I was called, at the end of the trip, he really was choked saying goodbye to us. He, he was so thankful and the whole Baptist community was so thankful for Amen and our, the doctors and what, for all that we did and the talks we gave. Um, each of us, at the end of the day, after we saw patients, uh, Dr. David Calano gave a talk, and then Christine Pfeiffer, and I was put the third in line. Um, and they were so pleased, so very pleased. Um, three ABN crew had accompanied us to that trip, and they taped the whole thing. Pastor C.A. Murray and his wife and the, the taping crew. And so um, I was called in to go to 3ABN and, uh, for a taping of, of this um, uh, Haiti trip, a live interview, and that was uh, on November 17, this November, this last month. So I flew in there, and David Curtis was also, uh, Donald Curtis was also called in to be on the interview, and uh, there was a representative of ADRA. So we were there, we talked a while, and then close to the end, um, C.A. Murray, Pastor C.A. Murray asked first the ADRA representative, Wally, and then he asked Donald Curtis about what's their take about Haiti. And they started talking about how poor it is, and um, it's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, and uh, I mean, the tragedies that go on there and stuff. And then he said, okay, Raja, well, how about you? What do you think? I said, I concur. You heard about the poverty from uh, both of them, both, both gentlemen. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I'd walk in the, the village and kids are naked and, and skinny like anything and they're just sitting on the, on the ground and it's just the dirt and filth is all over the place. It's just despicable. 
And I told him, but one thing I want to add. Haiti, um, Haiti's population, the population of Haiti is 80% Catholic, 10% Baptist, 4% Pentecostal, 1% Adventist. 50% of the population practices voodoo. And while we were strolling in the, in the, in the village, um, I saw the, the shack of the witch, witch doctor. And so I told him every, every day before I gave my talk, my health talk, I would plead with the Lord. I'd been pleading with him to, to make me the right witness ever since I, I planned on, on, on going to the, making this trip. But especially before I gave my talks, I would plead, dear Lord, give me the right words to break the, bring the bread of life to your children here in Haiti. And after every, I spoke the first night about the benefits of charcoal, the second night about sexually transmitted diseases, the third night about AIDS, which is highly prevalent in Haiti. And every time I brought hefty doses of God's word. And after I finish, I would see them coming to me and just standing there in awe. And they said, they thanked me so much for the spiritual as well as the, uh, as well as the health message. Donald Curtis, who was sitting right there, interjected and said, and you know, after her talks, two voodoo doctors came and gave their lives to Christ. I said, oh, <laughs> I got goosebumps all over me. I said, praise the Lord, I didn't know that. He said, in fact, one of them came and brought all his voodoo stuff, and he said, here, burn it. I want Christ. I don't want this. That was, that really made all that trip worth the while, <laughs> worth my while. <laughs> and, oh, and this, uh, pr this uh, voodoo priest that said to burn all his stuff, he's working with them in the compound. So Donald told me, when you come in uh, this February, which I'm going again to Haiti, when you come in this February, I'm going to introduce you to this, to this priest, ex-voodoo priest that now has given his life to Christ. I said, praise the Lord. I said, Donald, why don't you come to Amen? We have a conference next year. He said, yes, I would love to. I want to see what it's about. So I said, praise God. I told him it's my treat. <laughs> so I would be, my heart would be filled with joy as I see this. Actually, the CEO president is actually a priest. He's a pastor, a Baptist pastor. He pastors a church. So he's going to be coming, God willing, to our next Amen conference. And... Uh, before that, as I go again to Haiti this coming February, end of February, I will be praying so fervently from now, actually, because I want the Lord to prepare me very well as I ask Donald, Donald, do you know why we keep the Sabbath holy? And I pray to the Lord that he will bring this man through our example to the Lord. You never know where, how far your words go. You never know what people see in you that makes them think, whoa, there is something higher that we got to get reach out to. At the end of my talk, I thank you so much for listening. How many of you would have a new commitment to persevere in prayer? prayer persevering in prayer actually does not only give a blessing or bring a blessing about from other people, but it changes lives. It changes us. As we spend hours and hours in prayer, Christ and his character become like part of us. So our character reflects 
Christ more and more and more. How many of you, by raise of hand, uh, will give it, make a new commitment that you're going to persevere in prayer and pray and pray and pray? Thank you. God bless you. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this occasion. Thank you so much for your children that love you so much, dear Lord. And you love us more. Dear Lord, you saw these hands that are lifted up in a commitment to persevere in prayer. Dear Lord, answer every heart's desire. Trying to get closer to you. Make the changes that you see are needed in every one of us. Let your Holy Spirit remind us, dear Lord, of the commitment we made tonight. And let Christ dwell with us more every day to where when the time comes that he's coming again, he will see his children looking like him. In Christ's precious name, I ask and thank you so much for hearing our prayer and answering it. Amen. Thank you, Raja, for, for sharing. And she could, t she could share a lot more stories than what she told us tonight. She's told me so many different stories about um, co-workers at work that were not getting along and how she prayed and talked with them and just shared principles from the scripture with them, people that aren't necessarily even Christians and how they were changed and, and grew. So I've just been really inspired by that. I was thinking as you were just sharing, I think of the verse in James um, 4.2 that says, you have not because you ask not. And you know, when we would go on that trip into that village, who of us would think of, <laughs> of praying for the witch doctor? You know, he's, he's hopeless, right? I mean, no, he's not. But that would be our thought is, you know, he's too far gone, but we'll pray for all, all of the people that he influences, <clears throat> excuse me, that they will be brought to Christ and they'll be changed. But praise the Lord, if God can bring, he can. And uh, the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So anyway, thank you very much for that. <laughs>